Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Guiding Truth series, which is based out of 1 Timothy. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God impacted you through these messages. Well, this morning, we're going to get into 1 Timothy chapter 4. And again, praise the Lord for last week. We had a great Sunday. If you were not here uh, last week, I'd encourage you to go online and uh, get the messages and uh, just kind of uh, stay up to date with what's, what God's doing through the series. But our series, Guiding Truths, of course, uh, we've been going through this. It's a study, <clears throat> studying out a letter. That's written by Paul uh, to Timothy. You'll remember that uh, in Acts chapter number 19, we read about Paul, who was once, uh, of course, a persecutor of the church, but then a church planter, one who received Jesus as his Savior. Uh, Paul went, and he traveled, and he started a number of churches, and in one of the towns that he started a church was the town of Ephesus. Now, we've learned a lot about Ephesus. It would be in modern-day Turkey, and Ephesus would be an area there that would be known for a number of things. Uh, It's known now, or um, a few years after Christ. It was known for the library of Celsus. Uh, Celsus would have been a time, uh, a man who was alive during the time of Paul that was just very knowledgeable and uh, had great wisdom. And so now they have the library of Celsus that would celebrate the wisdom of Celsus. And it helps us understand that the culture there was very knowledgeable. Uh, The IQ level there was just uh, of, of Celsus in cultural knowledge and quote-unquote world knowledge, not spiritual knowledge, but in world knowledge, they were is kind of one of the premier places like an Athens or, or like a Corinth. But it was also known for uh, the temple of the goddess of Diana or Artemis, and this would be the goddess of sensuality. And uh, there was very many uh, sinful acts and things that would take place there in uh, the, the, God, the temple of the goddess of Diana. And that sin would just kind of bleed over into the community. And so Ephesus, it was known for knowledge, uh, but it was also known just for wickedness. It was known for being a very sinful culture. It was known for being a place that, yes, people wanted to travel there because of the knowledge and architecture and things like that, but many times people traveled there because of the sin that was there as well. It would be perhaps like a modern-day Las Vegas or a modern-day San Francisco or a modern-day New York City, just a a leading city that people are trying to go to. And uh, I think of Las Vegas because they say that, you know, the saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And many, many people, the reason they say that is to excuse sin that takes place there. And it's known as Sin City. And uh, of course, that's mainly just the strip right there. But when you think about this, that's that's the culture that Ephesus was. Uh, Sin was just running rampant. And Paul comes in, Acts 19, he starts a church there. People begin trusting Christ. And Paul, along with other believers, they begin to shepherd and lead these people and help them grow in their knowledge of God and grow in their relationship with God. Well, at the end of Acts 19, Paul continues on his journey and he leaves behind a young man by the name of Timothy. He leaves him there to pastor. And we've gone through this. I'm just kind of recapping so everybody's on the same page that he leaves behind him Timothy. And Timothy, he's a young man, probably late 20s or early 30s maybe late 30s, but I, I'm kind of leaning towards maybe, maybe Timothy was somewhere between 31 and 35. This young man's left behind for the purpose of pastoring all of these new believers. Well, a couple years goes by, Paul's continued his travels, and Paul sits down and he begins to pin or to write some words to encourage or to help Timothy 
and the believers at Ephesus. And the reason what he wants to help them in is he wants them and he wants to help them in this, how to live a godly life in a godless culture. How to live a godly life in a godless culture. Hey, Timothy, your, your community is wrapped up in knowledge. Timothy, your community is wrapped up in sinful things. Your community is wrapped up in uh, growing the economy and your community is just so wrapped up in things that they, they don't have me. And Timothy, I'm writing to you and I'm writing to the church at Ephesus to help you know how to live godly lives in a godless culture. And so he gives him the book of 1 Timothy. It's a book about guiding truths, guiding truths to help you live godly, a godly life in a godless culture. And so we've gone through a number of these truths and we won't take time to rehearse many of them, but I do wanna go over last week's. Last week's we were with Timothy and uh, as Paul challenged Timothy with this, you'll remember if you were here last week, Paul said, hey, Timothy, I wanna come to you. I'm, I'm traveling your way, but if I don't come right now, if I can't make it when I want to, here's some things I want you to do. Here's some things you need to know. And basically, and from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 1 Timothy 4 and chapter number 11, uh, Paul is saying to Timothy, I want to come to you. I'm planning on it. But if I don't make it, I want you to continue learning and continue teaching the truths that you've been given. And that was our message last week as we rehearsed eight years Man, here we are celebrating eight years. I text the staff. I text them every Sunday morning about our prayer time and things of that nature. And I text them this morning. I said, hey, we are at the eight year and one week anniversary. Man, the celebration is still going on. That was the message last week was, you know what? We celebrate eight years and praise God, but there's still some yet to come. Man, there are still people who need Christ. There are still lessons that we need to learn. You and I, we still have growth that needs to take place in our life to help us become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul was writing to Timothy last week. As you come to the message this morning or the passage this morning, we're gonna jump into 1 Timothy chapter four. And so I want you to stand with me and we're gonna finish out 1 Timothy four. And let's go down to verse number 12. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12. And let's just read some of these verses and allow Paul, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through Paul's words today. 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 16, we read these words. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Until I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For, or because in doing this, Thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Let's go back and notice verse 16 one more time. Paul says this, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them 
that hear thee. In this verse, Paul is calling Timothy to pay attention. Timothy, I want you to pay attention to some things. I want you to tune in to some things. And so this morning, we're going to see what he's wanting Timothy to tune into or pay attention to, because I believe that his message, his lesson to Timothy is something that can very much help us in March of 2019. Here we are almost 2,000 years later from when this was written, and yet the word of God is still applicable to your life and my life. And so this morning, let's pray, and then we'll figure out what God's trying to speak to us today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a moment, and just in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask God to speak to you? And then commit to God that as he speaks, that you're listening to him and you're desiring for him to speak to your heart and for you to respond to him today. Lord, we come before you and um, God, we just thank you for your word and we thank you for how you uh, use your word even 2,000 years after this has been written, you're going to use it to speak to our hearts because it's a living book. And God, I pray that as we go through it this morning that you would um, allow your spirit to speak to us, Lord, that we would listen, that we would uh, be uh, attentive to what you want to give us today. And I pray that my words would be uh, your words this morning. And Father, we just ask you that you'd speak to us and help us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. Now, if you're like me, then uh, growing up, you probably, you probably heard these words often. It would go something like this. Hey, pay attention. Or hey, you need to tune in. How many of you, be honest, you heard those words quite a bit growing up? All right, you are my peeps. Because we heard that growing up. We heard, hey, you need to pay attention. Hey, you need, to, uh, you need to tune into this. And maybe if you're a parent, you probably say those to your kids now. I know as a parent, I say those to our kids. And I, I'm all the time saying, hey, Dennis, tune in. Uh, Micah, tune, Lena, Lena, honey, pay attention. Pay attention. Tune into what I'm saying. And there's plenty of times that you as a parent will have to say that. And I think for my life, one of the times that I remember my dad saying tune in or pay attention uh, or phrases like that would be when... He was teaching me how to drive. Now, my dad began teaching us to drive. I think he put me behind the steering wheel. Should I say this? There's law enforcement here. Uh, my dad put me behind the steering wheel when I was probably about five, five or six years old. And uh, I'd sit on his lap and steer. But then when I was eight years old, he would actually let us drive. And I remember one of the times coming home that we were... <laughs> Is it okay? There's them, but I can, I can do this. We're past it. Okay. Uh, one time I was coming home, I was, we were eight, I was eight years old and we were driving in Colorado and we had a huge snowstorm. And my dad's like, Hey, you need to learn how to drive in snow. You remember this? And they're in Evans. And so we were in Evans, Colorado. We were on our street and my dad's like, come on over here. And of course, he is still sitting there, and so I was on his knee, but, uh, you know, he's like, here, the gas is on the right, brakes on the left, you know, steer, and, and you need to, you know, get going. And man, I remember driving in the snow the first time when I was eight years old, and uh, it's like Brother Robert. Brother Robert drove in the snow for the first time when he was, what, 24? Is that how old it was? 
And uh, man, I remember, I'm just kidding, California. Uh, I remember driving in the snow, but I remember when I was like 14, 15, and 16, had my driver's permit, and now I'm the only one there. You know, now dad's not there to grab the steering wheel or to slam on the brakes or something. Now it's just me. And every now and then I'd be driving and be going along and, you know, you get kind of sidetracked. Oh man, that's, that's a new building, you know? And, and my dad would say, now son, stop. Hey, hey, pay attention because the direction your head goes is going to be the direction your car goes. Because we naturally, right, we're like, you just, you just do that. And he'd say, hey, hey, tune in. Tune in, pay attention. Of course, I will admit this. He didn't say it as much to me as he did my sisters. I'm just saying, listen, I'm not the one who got a ticket the very first day they had their license. Now, I am not the one who got in a wreck the very first year they had their license. That would be both of my sisters. So I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to help my, um, my heart today, you know. Uh, yeah, mom taught them. That's, a, that's messed up, man. She can't even defend herself. Um, so here's what I'm getting at is, you know what? The reason my dad would say, hey, pay attention the reason he would say, hey, tune in, it's not because my dad was trying to, um, it's not because my dad was trying to give me new rules or he didn't like me or because he was just trying to say, hey, just trying to, you know, be in control. No, the reason my dad said it is because he loved me. He wanted me to learn how to drive correctly so that I would be safe. Really, if you think about it, whenever somebody gives you, hey, pay attention or hey, tune in, it's probably because they care for you. I want you to look with me at verse number 16 of our passage. Look with me at verse number 16, and I want you to see what Paul says. Because he says this, he says, take heed. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. That phrase, take heed, take heed, it means to tune in, pay attention. So here's what Paul is saying. He's saying this, I want you, Timothy, you need to tune in to who? To yourself. Tune in to yourself and pay attention to some things. Well, what's Paul getting at? I, we'll preach this verse and then we'll look at the rest of this. Here's what Paul is helping us understand. Hey, you need to tune in because when you tune in, when you tune in, you are protecting your own life, but also the lives of those around you. Notice, look at the verse, look at the verse. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Hey, take heed to yourself. Timothy, pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to your heart and pay attention to what you believe, the doctrine, Continue in what you know to be true, because if you do this, you will save yourself and those that hear you. Here's what he's getting at. Hey, Timothy, you can't help others unless you are first being helped by God. That's this, that's this verse. You cannot help, be, help others unless you are first uh, being helped by God. It's kind of Paul helping Timothy understand this, that you have influence, 
But Timothy, your influence does not matter if you are not taking heed unto yourself. Paul would say the same thing to the uh, leadership in, in Ephesus in Acts 20, 28. He would say this, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Paul would say, hey, leadership, take heed unto yourself. Can I just tell you this morning by way of introduction, the fact of the matter is that the servant of God can often be so busy helping other people that they neglect their own spiritual walk. We can be so um, desirous to help others that we neglect our own walk. But here's the truth. God must work in us before he can effectively work through us. And so this morning, I want you to understand that as Paul writes to Timothy, he's writing to Timothy to get Timothy to understand this. Timothy, I want to call you. Hey, pay attention to your own heart because your influence matters. And if you're not walking with God in your own heart, those who you influence will not have an example to follow. And so this morning, he calls Timothy to wake up, to tune in, to pay attention to some things. And I believe today that we're going to look at these principles and understand that they all apply to us as well. There's some things that you and I, if we are going to steward our influence well, if we're going to lead others the way God would have us to lead them, if we are going to uh, be the right kind of influence in people's lives around us, then we too need to tune in. We need to pay attention. What do we need to pay attention to? What do we need to tune into? Here's what Paul gets at in the passage. Number one, Paul says this, you need to tune in and see, first of all, that you are leading. Tune in and see that you are leading. Well, what is he saying? Look at verse number 12. Verse 12, it says this, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer. I want you to stop right there. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer. I said a moment ago that Timothy would probably be in his late 20s or early 30s. I would believe maybe, maybe 32 to 35 years old. And culturally in that time and at this time, whenever you have a young pastor or a young leader, people would often look to the young leader and they would say something like this. Well, what do you have to teach me? You don't have the life experience that I have, so I am not gonna listen to you. Now, we, we get some of that today. I remember when we first started the church uh, eight years ago at 27 when we started the church, and I remember knocking doors, and I'd knock on the door and say, hey, I'm Pastor Moses Lake Baptist, just wanna invite you out to church. And they'd say, you're the pastor? What are you, 20? Thank you. No, I'm 27. You know, you try to, I'm 27 and a half. You know, it's almost, I'm almost 28. It's like a little kid, you know? I'm not 11, I'm 11 and three quarters. I'm 27 and 11 twelfths. And I remember, you know, going through that. But here's the thing. Culturally, we see it a little bit, but back then it was, if you were young, you were not supposed to lead. That's just the way it was. 
And then here you have this young pastor coming in who they had selected, the church at Ephesus had selected to be their pastor and said, we believe God's hand is upon this young man and we're going to call Timothy to be our pastor. They did that. Here's what Paul writes. He says, hey, let no man despise thy youth. The word despise, I might get ahead of myself. So if we pass these slides in a minute, don't worry about it. The word despise, it means to disdain or to keep in low regard. And so here's what Paul is saying. Hey, listen, don't let people look at you and say, he acts young. He acts like a teenager. He can't lead because he's immature. That's what this verse is. Let no man despise. Listen, don't act in such a way that people can disdain the office that you're called to because you're acting immature. Now, can I tell you this, this morning that this applies not to just the young, but to the old? Man, a lot of people can just go through life acting immature. And a lot of Christians do that. There's a lot of Christians. Paul said, hey, I want to give you, I want to give you the meat of the word, but you haven't grown up in the Lord. I'm still having to give you the, the milk of the word, the, the simple little things. And we have to understand this morning that if you and I, if we're going to effectively have the right influence that God would have us to want, or that God would want us to have, we need to understand that it starts with tuning in to how we lead. Be an example. That's what Paul's saying. Hey, be thou an example. Be an example in what? Well, first, be an example in word. In word would have to do with your speech. This implies uh, how you speak words. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse um, number 30, 31, 32, uh, where it says that, that your speech should be always seasoned with grace. And we need to understand, um, or that one's let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it minister grace unto the hearers. This is what Paul is saying. Hey, listen, Timothy, be an example in how you speak. Let your words be edifying. Let your words be uplifting. Let your words uh, be that which Christ would have you to speak. How can I be an example? Be an example in word, in your conversation, in your word, in your language. My words should be God honoring. Well, how else should I be an example? Be an example in your conversation. Now, the word conversation in this uh, verse, it does not mean my, my uh, verbal words back and forth. We just have that. The word conversation, it means your walk. Be an example in your lifestyle. Be an example in your conduct. Timothy, conduct yourself, conduct yourself as a child of God. This suggests that our lives are controlled by the word of God. And Timothy, it's like he wrote to Titus, don't live hypocritically. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't live in hypocrisy. No, Timothy, let your words and your actions, let them match. All right? Be an example in word. Be an example in conversation. Notice he says, thirdly, be an example in charity. That word charity is love. I heard a great message this week out of John chapter 13. And uh, you'll remember the verses where Jesus said, there's a new commandment that I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Uh, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. And what's interesting, and I've, I've never really dove into this, but did you know that it was not a new command to love one another? It wasn't a new command. You say, well, Jesus said it was a new command. Right, but it wasn't a new command. What do you mean? If you go to the book of Leviticus, Jesus said, love yourself or love your neighbor as thyself. That's what Jesus said, love your neighbor as thyself. So loving others was not a new command. Here's the new command. Love one another 
as I have loved you. That was the new command. You're now going to love, not as you love yourself, you're gonna love like I love you. One preacher said it this way. He said, you know, I like the concept. And this is the guy who got up after the one preached. And he said, I like that thought because you know what? I love me and sometimes I'm pretty hard on me. Sometimes I'm pretty rude to me. Sometimes I'm pretty short with me. And sometimes that's how I love others. Well, I would be hard on myself, so I'm hard on them. I'd be short with me if I did that. I'm short with them. But here's what Jesus said. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another, not as yourself, but you love them as I love you. What's the principle? The principle that Paul is getting at here is the same principle that Jesus taught in John 13. Be an example in this type of love. I wonder, I wonder how would your workplace change if you loved others the way Jesus loves you? How would your marriage change if you, sir, how would your marriage change if you began looking at your wife and viewing your wife through the love of Jesus and loving her like he loves you? Ma'am, how would it change if you loved your husband? Stop being critical of him because you're critical of yourself and I'm just loving him like I love me and start loving him through the lens of God's love. Teenager, how would it change your relationship with your parents? How would the dynamic change at school or the workplace? And we could go on and on in the neighborhood if we would just love like he loves. This is what Paul is writing to Timothy. Hey, be an example in word, in conversation, your walk, be an example in charity, in love, be an example in spirit. This phrase spirit, uh, we would get the word charisma from the same Greek word that's used. Here's what Paul is getting to. Hey, you need to be an example in your attitude. Let your attitude be uplifting. Listen, I, if you were here on Thursday, I told the church about the, I told our church family about the church I preached at in two, on Tuesday in, in San Diego. And I said this, the pastor, his name's Jason Brown. He's a good friend. Uh, pastor Brown, um, listen, you think I'm hyper? He makes me look boring, like just boring. I said this about him. It's been said about me, so I just reversed it and said it about another pastor. Uh, I got up to preach, and I said, man, I love Brother Brown. love the energy here. I said, you know what, Brother Brown, he makes coffee nervous. He makes caffeine nervous. The preacher after me, he got up, or that night, he got up, and he said, man, Brother Fountain this morning said that, that uh, Pastor Brown makes coffee nervous. He was like, I'm going to take it a step further. Pastor Brown makes crack cocaine nervous. <laughs> He was like, this man over here has so much energy. Like, I, I don't even understand it, you know, and, and started talking. Listen, that's the energy. But you know, want to know one of the reasons I love being around Pastor Brown? I'll be with him this week in Washington, D.C. at another meeting. One of the reasons I love being around Pastor Jason is because of his spirit. Man, he has such a great attitude. I mean, you, he probably is one of those guys that, like, could break his ankle and be like, <laughs> man, I wonder what God will do with this. I can't even walk. This is amazing. You know, he just, he's, I love that personality. Man, we have people like that in our church, don't we? Man, people who just have a great spirit, a great attitude. I won't pick on anybody, but there's people, I get people all the time say, man, pastor, I just love them. Man, they're always so uplifting. They're always so encouraging. What is that? That's somebody who understands be an example in spirit, in attitude. But can I just tell you, you can't be an example in your spirit unless the Holy Spirit is guiding you. It's not, it's not something that we can do in and of ourselves. That love, joy, and peace, it's, a, it's fruit of the spirit. So here's what Paul says to Timothy. Hey, be an example. And what, what should I be an example in, Paul? 
Well, be an example in your speech, be an example in your lifestyle, your conduct, be an example in how you love, be an example in your attitude and your spirit, but be an example in your faith. Hey, Timothy, let people see your faith. Timothy, have a strong faith, a strong trust in God. You know, uh, <clears throat> I think it's easy. I think it's easy, Craig. I think it's easy to grow as an example in our words, right? I mean, that's easy to gauge, isn't it? Oh, man, I slipped up. I shouldn't have said that. All right, I'm not gonna say that anymore. It's, e it's, even, it's even easier to lead in your walk you know, I'm, I'm gonna, okay, today I'm gonna act, I'm just, I'm just gonna put my mind to it and do this. And it can be easy to love people. Well, no, it can't, but uh, it's easier sometimes to love people than we think. And uh, man, to have a right attitude, put a smile on your face, you know, and, but that one about faith, man, it's hard to be an example in faith. Why? Because that means you're trusting God even during the hard times. And you're gonna be an example in it. Hey, I, I heard that you just uh, heard you just got the report of cancer, and, and I heard you're going through this battle. I just I just want to know how are you going to make it through? I mean, how are you going to do this? The the one with faith says, "I don't know, but I believe God does," and it hurts, and it's, this is hard, and it's a sad time but I'm gonna trust God. Oh, we all say we would do that, right? Like, oh man, I would be, if I got cancer, psh, I'd be the example. I would do it. But when you're in that valley, it's hard. But you know what God blesses? He blesses when we step up and say, okay, I'm gonna be the example in faith, in my trust of God. That last one in purity. Uh, this has to do with your thinking. This has to do with keeping pure thoughts and having a mind that seeks after God and follows after God. This is what Paul is saying. Hey, you need to be a, be a leader of what Bible Christianity is. Timothy, hey, Timothy, you have influence. Take heed unto yourself. Pay attention to the doctrine and continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt save thyself and those that hear thee. Timothy, if your life doesn't match your lips, then Timothy, you're living a hypocritical life. No, Timothy, let your, let your belief affect your behavior. Let what you are affect what you do. Don't just do things. No, Timothy, allow what is on the inside to flow and be an example on the outside. And boy, what a great thought for every one of us today. If we're going to really leave the example that we're going to be the influence that God would have us to be, it first starts with taking heed. Hey, tune in. Tune in and see that you are leading. You're a leading example, leading others to look to Jesus. Secondly, see that you are learning. Tune in and see that you're learning. Notice verse number 13. Timothy, I want you to do this. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. The, the phrase give attendance to, it means to devote yourself to or to be absorbed in. Hey, Timothy, be absorbed in reading, in exhortation, and in doctrine. Well, what is he, what is he encouraging Timothy to read? Well, he's encouraging Timothy to read the word of God. He's encouraging Timothy to read the teachings of the apostles that were given, like the gospels that would have been out by now. 
like the book of James that was written for the believers that had been scattered abroad. That would have been written by now. Like uh, other gospels that we've read about that Paul would have, wrought, would have written some of the Pauline epistles. This is Paul calling Timothy, hey, give attention to reading the word of God. That phrase to read, it means to read openly. He's talking to a pastor. He says, Pastor Timothy, openly read the word of God. Well, where is he talking about? He's talking about in church. That's why I believe in the importance of whoever's preaching, not to just get up and say, well, let's look at this verse and never return to it. No, we're going to preach the word of God. It's not going to be thus saith Dennis Fountain. That'd be really empty. We wouldn't have much going on. That'd be a, that'd be a shorter sermon. Some of you are like, I'd sign up for that one. <laughs> and tune into reading, tune into openly, openly speaking the word of God. That word exhortation, it means to encourage. Till I come, give attendance to reading the word of God and give, a, give a attendance to encouraging others in the word of God. And brother, I heard you're going through a hard time. I just want to give you a verse that I read lately. This verse helped me. Just want to encourage you. Not, I want to tell you how to do life. Don't you love those people? Well, let me tell you, if I was in your situation, here's what I would do. Well, you're not in my situation, so shh. <laughs> Man, those people aren't an encouragement. You know who's an encouragement? Someone comes up and says, hey, man, I know you're going through a struggle. I know, I know you just got that cancer. I know you just lost a loved one. I know you're going through financial difficulty. I know there's some challenges. Hey, I just want to encourage you. I'm praying for you. And I don't even know what I would do in your situation but I just want to let you know, you're an example to me right now because, because you're walking with God through this, because you're trusting the Lord through it. And what are you saying? You're just saying, God's spoken to me and his word has affected me and I want to just encourage you with it. Man, till I come, be absorbed in the word of God and reading in exhortation. And then you uh, see that last word right there where it says, and to doctrine, give attendance to doctrine. Hey, give attention, uh, give attention to uh, uh, what you believe. The fact of the matter is that a growing Christian must be a student of the word of God. If you're going to be the influence, hey, take heed unto yourself. If you're gonna do it, lead by example. If you're gonna do it, learn the word. Man, learn the word of God. Before uh, we must teach others, before we teach others, we must allow the word of God to teach us. A believer who's wanting to teach others must make, must make spiritual progress themselves before they can encourage others to do the same. And this is Paul saying, hey, Timothy, pay attention to yourself, learn the word, and then teach it to others. And we hear this often in, at our church, but we need to be students of the word of God. Man, we need to understand that we should continue to learn his word because his word shapes every aspect of our daily life. I want you to think about just a few things that the word of God is to us. Number one, with the word of God, it's alive and it discerns our heart and our thoughts and the intents of our heart. Hebrews chapter four and verse 12. Number two, it's effect, it effectually works in us when we let it, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, that the word of God can effectively work in our heart. It gives us patience, comfort, and hope. The word of God, it is perfect, it is sure, it is right, it is pure. It is, it is one that purifies or cleanses our lives. Psalm 119 verse nine, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. God's word enlightens us and it directs our paths. God's word protects you from being offended. 
Man, you look that one up. Uh, Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Man, you want to be a believer who stops having a critical? Isn't it easy to be critical? Yeah. Man, just be married for a week. It's easy to be critical. It's easy to just go down that road. Just go work, just go be around somebody else for two days and you'll find things you don't like. And if we're not careful, we let those things we don't like rub us the wrong way, the wrong way. And we, I told you it's gonna be a rough day. We get offended. Woof, it's a woof day. We get offended and we get offended too easily. You ever had somebody come to you and, and they're just like, man, Leo, you just, I just want to let you know you offended me. And just because you're sitting right here, man. It's because you've been ducking me. You got to know Leo to know that. Uh, man, they say, you, you offended me. And you're like, how? And you don't even know? Man, that happens. Have you ever been offended by somebody and you know they don't even know? And what's that do, man? It puts bitterness in us, causes more critical spirit. Can I tell you what the cleanser is for that? Getting his word. Why? Because his word helps me understand forgiveness. It helps me understand that I forgive just as he's forgiven me. Uh, the word of God, it keeps us, protects us from offense. The word of God, it gives us true success and prosperity. The only time the word success is used in scripture is Joshua 1.8, and it's attributed to those who uh, um, um, just completely dive into scripture. Hey, get into the word of God, and what will you have? You'll have true success. Oh, it's not talking about success in the world's eyes. It's talking about living a successful Christian life and living the life that God would have you to live. You know, the words of word of God, I gotta hurry. The word of God gives us understanding. The word of God, it is eternally valuable. All of this, I mean, really the list could just go on that God's word brings peace. It brings help. It helps us to love others. It teaches us forgiveness. It brings encouragement when we're discouraged. It brings comfort when we're uh, uncomfortable. It brings a challenge when we need to be stirred. It brings conviction when we're in sin. Really, if you think about it, the word of God, it truly, is God's love letter written to us. And if you and I are going to be the influence that God wants us to be, then we must, hey, take heed to yourself and keep learning. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Number three, if we're going to take heed to ourselves, tune in. Hey, tune in and see that you are looking after. Well, what does the looking after mean? Go, if you would, to verse number 14. Here's what Paul says. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Here's the words, the phrase looking after. Uh, I get it because of the phrase neglect not. The word neglect not, it, it means this. It means to disregard not or to be careless of. Do not be careless of. Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, you're given some gifts, spiritual gifts in your life. Timothy, you need to look after them. Timothy, you need to steward the gifts that you've been given and use them well. Don't neglect them. Don't uh, be careless with them. Timothy, you need to use your life to invest into his work. 
Paul was led by God. If you look at the, if you go back to uh, comparing scripture with scripture, Paul was led by God to choose Timothy to stay and serve as the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And apparently the leadership said, yes, we agree. He's going to stay. And that is that laying on of hands or presbytery. That's what that means. It's the leadership agreeing. He is called to be our pastor. And Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, use your gift, your ability, use that to serve God. Can I just tell you this morning that the fact of the matter is that God desires that you and I would use our gifts and abilities to serve the Lord. Look after the gifts you've been given. Don't, don't be careless of them. And the fact of the matter is that every one of us, we are given specific abilities and desires and gifts that God wants us to use for him. I think about Romans chapter 12, verse six through eight, it says this, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, or the strength that is given to us, whether prophecy, preaching, let us prophesy or preach according to the pro uh, proportion of faith, ministering, this is the spirit of serving, let us wait on our ministering, he that teacheth, this is teaching, he that teacheth or teaching, uh, the next one is he that exhorteth, encouraging, exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, all of these things. Uh, again, a whole other message in itself, prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhorting, giving, ruling, and mercy, all spiritual gifts that, listen, if you are saved and you know Christ as Savior, one of these seven gifts is yours. That's taught in scripture. You have the gift of encouragement, or you have the gift of ministry, that you're just one of those servants. I, I just want to serve. I want to be a behind-the-scenes type of person. Or maybe you have the gift of prophecy, or preaching, or the gift of teaching. I just, I, I want to teach the Word of God, and, and I, I learn it, and I want to teach it. Or maybe you have the gift uh, of giving. Man, God hasn't called me to teach, but man, I, I'll, I'll finance it. I'll be the giver. And sometimes the gift of giving isn't given to those who just have money. I know plenty of people who ha don't have money but have the gift of giving, and they're the ones who are constantly giving of their time and giving of their, uh, giving of their heart to invest in others and giving of their resources to disciple people. And man, they just have that spirit of giving, the one of mercy. Listen, uh, um, your spiritual gift can also be your spiritual fault sometimes. I'll use the one mercy for a second. My dad has a gift of mercy. He does. He has the gift of mercy. And I have watched my dad be merciful. But there's times on my sisters, he's been too merciful. <laughs> I'm just saying, it can be also your fault, you know? So I just want to preach over here for just a moment. And I, I'm just teasing. <clears throat> I'm teasing. He did that to me plenty when we were a kid. Except he would say, Dennis, come sit up here. <laughs> All right, Dan. Here's what Paul's getting at in 1 Timothy, and here's what Paul's getting at in the book of Romans. Hey, you are given abilities to serve God look after or steward the gift you've been given. Well, pastor, how do we do that? Look in the word and figure out biblically, what do I, what do I think I'm gifted in? Talk to people. Hey, Mike, I mean, I, I think I might be gifted in music. Do you, do you think I, I might be gifted? In, I, wanna, I wanna serve ministry. I wanna serve in the area of music. And if Micah says, no, probably not, then you're probably not. <laughs> but go to people, go to your spouse. Hey, what do you think I'm gifted in? And they might say, well, you know what? I think you have the gift of encouragement. You're always uplifting me. You're always encouraging me. Then you know what? I would research how do I grow to encourage people more? And you, that, that, what would that be? That would be stewarding the gift that I've been given. 
And we need to know and understand that God desires that we would use our life to serve him. And so we should desire to use our life to serve him and, and not back away from it. And this is what Paul is saying. Hey, look after your spiritual gifts. Steward your spiritual gift. We see this morning that Paul is calling Timothy and us to tune in. Tune into what? Tune in and see that you're leading. Be the example. Tune in and see that you're learning. Get in his word. Tune in and see that you're looking after your spiritual gifts. And then lastly, tune in and see that you're loving. Tune in and see that you're loving. Well, look at verse number 15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear unto all. Paul calls Timothy here to meditate or to think upon these things and to give himself wholly or completely to them. This is Paul calling Timothy, devote yourself fully to Christ and his work. Hey, Timothy, you need to understand, God wants to use you, so be all in. Be all in. One man said it this way, Timothy's spiritual life and ministry were to be the absorbing, controlling things in his life, not merely sidelines that he occasionally practiced. Hey, Timothy, it's like Paul wrote to the church of Colossae, that in all things, he might have preeminence. It doesn't say first position. Listen, preeminence is not first place. It is only place. That's what preeminence is. And this is what Paul is writing to Timothy here. Hey, Timothy, commit yourself to these things and give yourself wholly unto them. You know what he was calling him to do? Man, he was calling him to be consumed. Our theme for the year, hey, Timothy, I'm calling you to be consumed. Jesus said it this way in Mark 12, 30, our theme verse, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Well, how shall I love him? With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Listen, this is the first commandment. And the second is like it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor. Here's what Jesus is calling us to and what Paul was calling Timothy to and what Christ called Paul to. You want to be an example? Love me completely. Be consumed. Love me with all of you. I think you and I, we need to understand that God is interested in us having that consuming love for him, uh, having that heart that is wholly following the Lord in every area. Uh, one man wrote it this way, there can be no real advancement in one's service to the Lord without total dedication to the Lord. There can be no real advancement in one. I can't really gain ground unless I'm wholly dedicated. Isn't that the truth? Listen, right now, there's a lot of Christians uh, that they, they uh, um, wrong end. I was trying to get the one that comes up quickly. Here's a lot of Christians. They go to church every week. They sit up. They stand. They sing songs. They'll, they'll listen to preaching. They're attentive. They may even say amen every now and then. Every now and then, might put, put a little bit in the offering. But then they leave church. And Monday through Saturday, Oh, they don't go out and live a wicked life and go, uh, you know, back to old sinful ways and curse and drink and uh, commit adultery and all that. They don't do all that. They just coast. And they come to church week in and week out, stand up, read the word, preach, amen, give, amen. And, we, and, and you look. And here they've been saved for five or eight or 10 or 20 years. But here they are way back here. Not, not consuming the meat, not growing at all. Listen, there's not going to be any real advancement in your Christian life unless you're wholly committed. Man, 
A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Right? That's in James. And here's what a lot of believers do. Love God. Hoorah. Sunday. Woo! Monday. <sighs> Another day. Got to work. Got to just... And we just kind of coast through life. Here's what Paul's calling Timothy to. Quit coasting. Man, Timothy, you want to live godly in a godless culture? Stop coasting. Timothy, lead by example. Learn, get in the word. Look after or steward the gift that you've been given. And then Timothy, tune in and see that you are loving. Make sure that you are, you are consumed with this. You are completely into this. Uh, be consumed with his word. Be consumed with his ministry. Be consumed with him. I wonder this morning, uh, what are you giving yourself wholly to? Maybe it's your work. I, man, pastor, I give myself wholly to work. Great. Work is a good thing, but it should not have preeminence. I give myself wholly to my family. I would do anything for my family. Wonderful. That, should, that is a great, that is biblical, that the family would, would be important. But the family is not to take place over God. It should go God, family, church. That's the order. God, family, church. Do you want to know the greatest things? Family and church can often grow together. And you can raise your kids in church and be wholly involved. Man, give yourself wholly. What are you giving yourself wholly to? Is it your work or your family or some friends or your hobbies or your games or maybe your TV series? Oh, I would never miss this. I can't, I can't do that because I would miss this. I, I don't, have you heard of DVR? Just record it. Listen, I'm just helping us understand this morning that there are things in our life that we are following after. What controls you? What controls your mind or your service? May we determine this morning that this week we're going to be consumed. I'm going to give myself wholly to him. I'm going to allow him to have complete control over every aspect of my life. Paul says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and those you influence. Hey, Timothy, if you will learn, if you will lead, if you will look after or steward your spiritual health, if you will love me wholly, love God wholly, Timothy, then you will have a lasting influence. You know, how many of you like building with Legos? I meant to have Legos up here, I forgot them, so just imagine with me. I had a little Lego table, and I was gonna build a tower, all right, a tower. Listen, I'm not talking about all those cool Legos they have now. Like, how many of you grew up with Lincoln Logs? Some of you are like, I didn't grow up with Lincoln, I had a stick. And I liked it. <laughs> you have this table. That's from junior camp a few years ago, for those of you that missed it. Uh, you have this Lego table. I'm going to build, I'm not building this huge house. I'm just going to build a tower, like a Jenga tower, you know, just straight up. How, how, how wise would it be for me with one hand, you know, put a block. And I'm building with one hand, but taking down with the other. How far would I get? I wouldn't get anywhere, would I? Man, I'm putting a block on, take a block off. Put a block on, take a block off. Put a block on, take a block off. I wouldn't get anywhere, would I? Do you know what a lot of people are doing? Here's what a lot of Christians are doing. 
They're trying to build their life. They're trying to build with their actions, but their words are just tearing down what they believe. Or they're trying to build with their words, but their actions are just tearing down what they believe. Here's what they're doing. They're not all in. Half of their life is doing one thing and half of their life is doing another. Well, here's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, be all in. Be all in. I mean, you need to understand that if your life and your words don't match up, then you're like someone trying to build with one hand but tearing down with another. Be a believer who's doing what? Taking heed unto themselves. Take heed, take heed unto yourself. Tune into your own life. But maybe this morning, maybe you're here and you need to take heed unto yourself because you don't even know that Jesus Christ is your savior. I wanna ask every person this question today. If you died, and don't answer out loud, I want you to think about it. If you died today, where would you spend eternity? If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Listen, if you're not, you need to take heed unto yourself and trust Jesus Christ to be your savior. Ask him to forgive you of your sin and come into your life. The Bible tells us that salvation is in no other name except the name of Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning, you need to take heed unto yourself and trust him as your savior. If you do know Christ as your savior today, would you make the commitment that this week, this week you're gonna tune in. Tune in to what? Tune in and pay attention to your own heart. Learn, stay in his word, lead, be an example. Look after or steward your gifts and your abilities for him and be wholly consumed. Love him with all of you. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed today. And as we have a time of invitation, a time of response, if God's spoken to you, let's respond to him today. And maybe you're here and you'd be honest. You'd say, Pastor Dennis, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. I've trusted Christ as my savior. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? I know that. Just right up and right back down. Now, if that's you, you raise your hand, you know Christ as your savior. Would you make the decision today to look after yourself? God, help me to tune into my own life. Help me to look at my own spiritual growth. God, help me to be an example. Maybe there's one of those areas of being an example that in your life you haven't been. And today you want to say, Lord, help me with this. I, I commit the week to you to do that. But maybe you're here today and you'd be honest, and I'm not going to call you by name, but if you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I don't know for sure if I died today that I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor Dennis, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna come to you, I just wanna pray for you. Pastor, would you pray for me? If that's you this morning, you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, in a moment we invite you to come, we'll take a Bible, God's word, and show you how you can know you're going to heaven. But for all of us that are here this morning, if God's spoken to us, let's be responsible with how he's spoken to us and let's communicate back to him through prayer. Lord, we love you. Pray that you would help us this week to take heed unto ourselves that we would tune in and, Father, allow you through your spirit uh, to use us to be the influence in others' lives that we need to be. And, Father, I pray that you'd help us in each of these areas. Help us respond right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.